It is. That's for the video people. Also for the video people, my nipple juice, because I spilled salsa trying to drive home and eat a taco. Which, That's if dangerous. I had to rate the foods that you don't want to eat while driving, soft shell taco is like really high up on the list. It's like up there with soup and soup-based foods like noodles and cereal with milk. Nah, dude, cereal with milk, you put it in a cup and then you just drink it. I put all my cereal in a cup, but I never put milk in it because it's so many extra calories you don't need in the morning. <laughs> cereal is better without the milk. Someone come fight me. Fucking, what's up, everybody? Welcome to my neighbors being upset at me doing a radio voice late at night. That's okay. They're just shouting all day, every day, so it's fine. Oh, man. I love Nick slowly hating them more and more. I don't hate day. them. Every, it's like, uh, you do that or you really make it. I was just like, like, oh, man. The other day he's like, I hope they all get syphilis. And I'm like, wow, Nick, that's aggressive. <laughs> not what I said at all. You're making things up. <laughs> Man, I, I haven't seen Nick in 48 hours. I just come in hot and start lying about a lot of stuff. <laughs> hey, buddy, how you been? How was your weekend? <laughs> Jesus. Just chill. Did you do anything? I played to the moon. And that's it? Finished it. Congratulations. Chilling. How much, uh, how many Kirins do you drink? No Kirins. No Kirins. How many, how many Mario 3D games do you play? I played three Mario 3D games. Wow, congrats. Actually, no, I played two. I didn't play Sunshine yet. Yet. Yeah. Because you got to save the best for last. Well, <laughs> I'm starting to think Galaxy might be the best. Everybody, that's a different podcast. <laughs> We're here to not talk about that, even though uh, I spent my weekend playing all three games, and I beat all of them. I, I, started, I did have three days. I started on Friday. But you beat Mario in one day. Less than a day. I think I beat the first two in like less. I beat all of them in about a 24-hour time period. It was like the period of like going to bed mm-hmm. late at night and playing them and then waking up and then beating them before nighttime again. With work intermixed a little bit. Like I wasn't just completely no laughing it. I like had dinner and <laughs> fed the dogs and... Doing the things that you had to do. Yeah, exactly. I conquered life and i conquered mario and another game that i conquered uh which didn't leave me with nearly as much satisfaction as conquering three mario games in the course of uh you know less than 72 hours which by the way is really dumb don't do that um was to the moon which is what we're here to talk to you about on garbage game club today you know that because you saw the episode title or listen to the last one yeah to the moon's one of those games that i've always meant to play like Ever since I heard about it, really, I I would liken it to something like Cave Story in that it felt like one of the first indie games to some extent. And this one's a little bit different because it was actually made within RPG Maker, a game that everyone's like, you could make a game with this? And then they buy it and then they're like, oh, this isn't fun at all. And then you just drop it forever. What's like the rules and regulations about making your game in RPG Maker? Because like they sell to the moon. I like, do I have to... Do they have to pay RPG Maker? For no, that? once you buy, once you pay for RPG Maker, anything you make with it, you can sell. So the people who made To the Moon had to have made more money than the people who made RPG Maker. I don't think that. I think RPG Maker is very popular. I think less so now, but it's it was very very popular. Like what? I mean, I guess I'm just not too privy. I I feel divorced from the indie RPG scene. Mm. So maybe There's that's a couple. Why. Cthulhu saves the world. Breath of Death eight. Those are fake, like, titles, but, like, fake sequels, but they're, like, the first indie RPGs. 
I guess, I wonder what it is to where I never really, I guess because I would never played many RPGs or the ones that I did were hyper curated. So I wasn't searching for like homemade homebrew mm. RPG stuff. But I think To the Moon not only like is one of the first in, in that subcategory, it's something that stood the test of time because I wasn't even too privy to this game at all. Until about a month ago, when I was doing some research for Garbage Game Club. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I I did. This wasn't on any sort of backlog or any sort of wish list or any sort of you know. Oh, hey, maybe one day I'll think about playing this game. To the Moon was a hundred percent a game that I found looking for games to play on the podcast. Interesting. See, it, it's one of those games that I think the second I joined Steam, I was like, oh, I can finally play this now. And then I just added it to a wish list and never bought it. No, I did buy it, and I've just had it in my library since. How many games just live in your library that you haven't played it on Steam? Um, I actually play most things that were that are in my Steam library. That was just like a weird one because I got it for like two dollars and fifty cents during the summer sales. Wow, Joey, you're bad at drinking on this table. Um, Joey spilled it in uh, like a third of a press. That's depressing. That's so sad. Oh, now he's slurping it up straight up off the table. Oh, no. Would you like me to go get napkins? This is way too entertaining. <laughs> Dude, Nick, I'm killing it. I've had three gulps of a, of a white claw, and I'm wasted. All right. I'll deal with that cleanup later. That's all good. Fucking. Oh. At least it's going to smell nice in here. God damn it. I'm such an idiot. Cutting on at that. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? I never had this game on a... Uh, like, oh, I had a... I, the reason why I knocked that can over is because I had a brilliant idea. What's your brilliant idea? There, you know how there's, like, calculators you can use to, like, how much Steam inventory do I have? Or, like, uh-huh. how much money have I spent on CSGO skins and stuff like that? There needs to be one, but exclusively to calculate... The, the net worth of games you have in your Steam library that you have never once opened. Yeah, that'd be good. I'm pretty sure that exists, actually. I think that exists. It was a good idea, so someone else surely <laughs> have it. Because I would love to look in my Steam library and just know how much waste and money is in there. Of like, oh yeah, that's two dollars. I'll buy it, and that adds up. I actually don't have that many games in Steam. Normally, I'm pretty I'm pretty particular and curated with the stuff I actually buy. So, To the Moon was actually a title that I picked up on the Switch Arena. And I think that's probably, in the year 2020, a better way to play the game than it is on Steam now. Probably because they updated it for the Switch to get a release out. Yeah, but also, yeah, for sure. But also, like, it's wild to just play a game and be like, wait, I can't control the resolution. <laughs> and so it's, like, either windowed or full screen, and that's it. And it's like, oh, well, okay, that's fine. Not a big deal. Did you play it in windowed mode on your ultra-widescreen monitor? Yeah. <laughs> so it was smaller than your Slack window? Yeah, I was like, oh, this is hard to read. I guess I got to go full screen on it. Because the text is very tiny when it's windowed. You can't even adjust the size of the window. Dude, fucking RPG Maker games, am I right? I mean, I right? yeah, I, I think... I mean, but it, it honestly, though, I think, it, if anything, it proves the test of time of it that, you know, they're able to port it to modern consoles and it functions. I guess, yeah, because when I was, ugh, I, I never, I never finished this thought, but I mean, I found this doing research for the show, and it still is like in the top, I want to say fifty of games on Steam rated by SteamDB, which is like 
the ups and the downs that like you know how steam has the has the like overwhelmingly positive yeah. and stuff like that well steam db does a curator that takes all of that information the upvotes and the downvotes and then like adjusts per capita of the game and like has some of their own like math and formula baked into it so that a game that has like you know a trillion downloads like portal isn't necessarily weighted the same as like you know baba is you right um even though those are two really bad examples because Porta and Baba is you, I'm pretty sure are both in the top 10 rated games of Steam yeah. all the time. So <laughs> I mean, good good job me. I'm really, really killing it with the examples. But I, I, I found it like that, and I'm like, this looks like a thing that might be interesting and short. And I was in the mood for a short game. Yeah, I didn't know it was actually this short. Um, I just assumed it was an RPG. So I was like, oh, this is probably going to be like, you know, at least 16 hours or something. But no, it's closer to like three or four. Yeah, it, it's pretty bite-sized. And I... I'm trying not... I, I don't want to be too mean out the gate. But my overwhelming reaction walking away from it was like, well, that was a slightly interesting story. I'll probably <laughs> never think about that again. And then yeah. that was my experience walking away from To the Moon. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a game that I would have benefited from playing much younger than I did finally play it. Because um, you would like know more about death and like have all these... Well, no, it's just I think that the writing might have resonated with me a little bit more, but now it just feels so dated and like, I don't what know. What about it feels dated? It just feels like someone who frequently patrols like rpg forums you're like oh i'm gonna make a game with some like fun stuff and 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 some weird views about like relationships and and man it's gonna be wild because there's gonna be a twist that no one's gonna expect and it also feels like someone who finally watched eternal sunshine of a spotless mind a movie that like you know it's pretty popular but it's it feels like that kind of a moment where someone's like that was an awesome movie. I want to make something like that now. And then they made this game, which I, I don't think it's bad. I think this game is very inventive. I like um, a lot of its subversions of RPG tropes because at the beginning, there's like the the battle you get with into with the squirrel and stuff like that. And there's like ATB meters. And it's like, oh, okay, it is an RPG. But then it's like, wait, what are you doing? You're fighting a squirrel. Please stop. That I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's cute. And you're, like, doing something interesting with the medium, was, which I dug. Which is something that I assume was probably much more fun back before everyone made an indie game to subvert yeah, every expectation exactly. of every video game ever made. Yeah, I mean, this is before Undertale. Like, this is way before Undertale. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, yeah, had I played this when I actually bought it on Steam, I think I would have had a much more enjoyable slash memorable time. But I think since then... I think we've seen this type of game iterated on with something that's a little more complex narratively, um, something that's a lot more interesting mechanically, and just overall like something to say that's actually interesting. Whereas this one feels like there's not much to do. I find my I found myself just speed reading and then mashing buttons and be like, okay, I gotta go there, gotta go there, gotta interact with this because there's not really much gameplay into the moon. How, Nick, there's like upwards of seven puzzles that take you about 30 seconds each to solve. How dare you say there's, quote, no gameplay? But it, it, it really, it's super interesting to hold something like this up to something like Gone Home. Because I think they're not dissimilar. I think that a walking simulator in a game like this 
have a lot in common because really the, a majority of your time is spent just navigating the overworld and kind of interacting mm. with things and seeing what your character says about it and then you might chuckle or you might not and then you move on um and i think that that's interesting and that's fun if you manage to create an inventive world and i think and I, and I think that they probably do eventually because what I learned is that To the Moon actually has two sequels. Um, one is called, uh, I can't even remember, Among the Stars or something like that. And then the third one's like on the way. It's called Imposter Factory. And I'm like, oh, wow, this this is a little franchise that has continued. So I am curious. I think curious it has a about. fan base. Oh, yeah, it has a huge fan yeah, base. I'm pretty sure that the, set, the sequel actually did sell and perform pretty well too. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're definitely, I think people like probably I think people like the characters they're like oh i like i think i think there is some decent not deep but just fun dialogue yeah i think it's i think it's casual and fun the characters that that you're piloting are like very personable Mm -hmm. and they're written to have like a fun relationship which i think is actually i think the best part of the game was um the two scientists the writing for the two scientists and their relationship with each other yeah i thought it was great and i also liked seeing their dynamic evolve in relation to the stuff they were doing for work where it was just like, Hey, you know, you're not supposed to really get that invested. You're kind of just supposed to do the thing the client wants. And then that's it. Whereas, you know, um, one of the scientists decides to get more involved. He gets emotionally invested and then realizes, Hey, he might not be doing the right thing, but ultimately it is kind of up to interpretation. Um, I, I thought it was neat. I thought it was cute. And I think that it doesn't overstay its welcome. Which is nice. Did we whiff on describing what the actual overarching game is? You're two scientists who work to like make people's last wishes come through true, basically through dreams and ultimate universes. And memories, yeah. And memories. Basically, you go into the mind of a dying person, and then you kind of bridge their memories to kind of... Imp- it's, it's the earliest inception slash... Uh, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, where they are trying to create a fake memory, essentially, of someone going to the moon. And to do that, they try to implant the memory of wanting to go to the moon at some point in their life. There's much less womps yeah, in yeah. it, though. But, I mean, I think that there's some interesting stuff that I'd never seen before. I just wish they would have done something with, like the um, timeline. They're, uh, basically, the first time you venture into the timeline of the dying old man, you see into the mind of the old man, you see a timeline pop up on the top of the screen that shows you what stage in, in the man's life you're in. And I thought that was super interesting, but it never really comes into play mechanically. It just is kind of like a chapter indicator to some extent. It's like a very light roadmap. But I like, you know, I think that there's a lot to do in here. Like this is me doing my armchair like narrative fix or whatever, but it feels like if you're in the dying, in the last moments of a dying old man's memories, you know, they say that your life flashes before your eyes when you die. Well, why not have it so that the memories don't progress linearly? Why don't you make the player work for where am I in this person's life? What's going on? And I think that might be more interesting and varied as opposed to just going backwards through someone's life. I, I thought that would have been a little to, you more know, interesting. If you're trying to plant a memory and like chase it through yeah. fruition, then wouldn't you need to like kind of 
kind of like you know poke it along with a stick as you kind of go throughout yeah but it feels like this is so convenient whereas i feel like death is anything but convenient you know uh especially when it comes (laughs) to parsing someone's mind um so i i just it felt very too convenient as far as like all right we gotta plant this thing in time to go back in his mind i could see if it was someone of like you know sound mind but i i don't imagine that someone on their deathbed is a particular sound mind you know um but outside of that i I did like a lot of the vignette storytelling. I do. I did like um, a lot of childish mentalities that you know kids. I think it did a good job of showcasing the the childlike mentality of kids in like elementary school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he only wanted to date this girl because it would make him be cool or whatever. Like I, that, I mean, that's why you wanted to be in with that, that girl. That feels that feels real authentic. Uh, the, the thing that I didn't really expect to latch onto is that um, his eventual wife would be um, someone afflicted with Asperger's, I believe, or autistic. I mean, yeah, she was. I mean, it's all. Audience, pardon Nick for not being up to terms with the proper 2020 terminology. There is no more Aspergers. Everyone is just on the oh, spectrum, well, Nick. When the when the game did come out, though, it was specifically Aspergers that they said that she was. Um, did they she, did they say that? Because I, I I just assumed that it was a little bit more advanced than that. No, no, it was, she. I mean, I guess it's a spectrum, right? But yeah, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, she's not what we consider normal. Well, correct, yeah, but and it's interesting because you know I I wouldn't expect a game, uh, in the year that this was made to kind of, um, mirror those sorts of things about reality. Which I was like, oh, that's that's a bold and interesting choice, and I'm sure that the de- I I honestly didn't do any reading on the developer about this, but I'm curious if the developer had someone in his life. I would assume so. Yeah, yeah, I would think so too. It's also interesting to see you have the development of these characters, like where you don't normally when you look at, you know, any type of disability, it's it's very visual mm-hmm. in in storytelling. Like it's very like, you know, someone with Asperger's can very much look like a normal person. Oh yeah. But someone who is a little pixel person, you don't really know and you have to parse through text and you have to kind of read between the lines and you have to understand like what's going on or what is abnormal. So I think that there's like no solid visual indicators in the game that's like, hey, this is like an interesting relationship. Yeah, and I think that the writing does kind of carry where you do have distinct voices for each character, which is tough to do, um, very tough to do. And I think they did a good job of pulling that off. Um, the the one thing that I wasn't really stoked about was the big twist in the game because that felt like so I don't know, like hack. Like, hey guys. Um... <laughs> It's uh, it's 2012. We need to have a big twist and an online multiplayer mode. Like, <laughs> the, okay. The big twist is that he was actually per- like, he had a twin brother, and the twin brother was hit and killed by a car, and so he has like these weird false memories that don't add up. He has like he's taken on his brother's memories. It it, it all feels very like what. Like, I get it. He's not reliable, but, like, did he really need to have an evil twin? Or not an evil twin, but a twin brother? Like, just tell me he's an unreliable narrator. He's an old man who has regrets, you know? People warp memories all the time when you have regrets. So, like, I don't... I just... It it felt very childlike as far as how it was constructed. Yeah, I... 
again, like I think that it's interesting to sit down here and actually talk about you know the story or the game as a whole. But I think that my feelings, even now rehashing it, versus you know when I when I set my switch down a couple of weeks ago, was like, well, I played that. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think there's a reason why this never like permeate per perm permutated perm permeated permeated. It permutated. It made a matrix, and then it permutated all the math, and it permeated uh, into like the maniest of mainstream mm. for for indie games. And that's because while there was like a like a cult following of it, or like people who really liked it, it definitely wasn't you know S tier across the board to kind of push it through critics or social channels or other things. Like I don't think that I I opened my switch and uncovered like a hidden gem that I didn't really know about. I'm just like oh. I see why people like this game. I see how people like these characters. I see how there's a bunch of unique things here that people are like interested in. But while some of them are good, even some aspects of it very good, like it feels like no one part of it is like great or phenomenal or whatever like top tier, S tier, upper echelon verb, excuse me, adjective. Wow, fuck me. <laughs> you want to use to describe that? Yeah, it really feels like someone set out to tell a story in RPG Maker, but not really use any mechanics or gameplay to complement that narrative. Again, Nick, the puzzles? Well, and, I th- <laughs> and I think it's the idea of, like, what are video games? Like, a lot of people love video games for a story, but I, I, the older I get, the more and more I feel like they're bad avenues for telling stories unless you make use of like actually playing a game and pressing buttons and so that that's where i feel like there was like a noble ambition to set out to make you know a, a, a game that'll make you cry this is a game that a lot of people when i've you know the reason why i picked it up so long ago so it was like oh it made me cry like oh it's so emotional but really it just i think and this is not a slam, even though it might sound like it. I feel like this is a game meant for people who don't consume any other sort of media. Do that feels like a slam? Because I, I feel like it's a story that I've seen a billion times, but I could understand how this could have some emotional resonance for people who haven't watched a lot of movies, who haven't watched a lot of TV, who haven't read a lot of books and stuff like that. And I think that that's good. I think that there is... I think every medium needs something that is like, oh, wow, this could be the moment that could push someone to investigate other media. Are you comparing to the moon to marijuana? No. What? It's a gateway drug. I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, But I I don't know. It just feels so, like, late high school, early college writing prompt, where you're like, oh, man, I'm going to tell an emotional You're being hard. It's definitely at least collegiate. Like... I don't know, man. There are so minimal people on earth who can like write a story like that. I mean, I think it's good. Don't you're, get you're me. like you're hypercritical of like, well, you know, well, it's, it, like, it, it's like it's okay, but like it really, it's definitely not garbage. But I mean, well, it's not, it feels like the developer watched Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind and then just like, what if I changed it a little bit and then I wrote a story? And that's fine. You could do that. That's you know, that's what art is. You're iterating on stuff that you've consumed, but it. I, I think it's interesting. I think it is I think it is a good snapshot of that kind of mentality and seeing it come to fruition. And honestly, I think music's pretty good. Music's pretty good. I liked it. 
I dug it. It was very chill, very sorrowful and melancholy. I tried to play while listening to a podcast, and then I realized that I couldn't both interpret the podcast and read as much as I had <laughs> at the same time, so I had to go back to listen to the music. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the actual gameplay in the game. Why, why do this? That was the thing. I was, every time I had to flip tiles and 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 find the connect the memories and the connect orbs. memory, I was like, "Why is this the thing that they chose?" Like, I I really am indifferent to it one way or the other because like it's the easiest thing in the world. But why this? What is it? Is there something I'm missing about how, uh, uncovering? these tiles that ties to the story in some meaningful way? I don't understand the puzzle in the game. I think you can build out an interface for like, oh, well, you know, these objects like had meaning. So you had like, you know, memories are attached to smells and sights and things. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. I That was a thing that I thought of when I was playing the game is why is it that every time I am finding one of these data points, why is it always a physical object? Why is it always something physical? Because I feel like memories are so intrinsically tied to other senses instead of touch. Probably because it's hard to represent. But there's like kitchens in the game and stuff like that. Like why not just when you enter a room you get a a point or something. Like sometimes you do that I guess. But it it doesn't feel so... I don't know. I, I, w- I wanted it to be like... I wanted to kind of tap it. I guess that how how do you, you know display smell or sound you have to visualize even the smell yeah yeah i guess also can we talk about the that house layout dying man's house layout who puts the kitchen on the other side of the on the the other side of the the dining area old people who puts a bathroom right by the dining area like that well if you have to (laughs) i was just like oh the kitchen's right over here and then i walked i was like this is a bathroom oh it's down here Oh, this is a reading room. Where the heck is the... Where's the actual kitchen? I also didn't find the kitchen <laughs> right the first time. The amount of time that I spent in this game... If I could have just watched a Let's Play, I could have gotten 95% of the experience. Yeah. Uh, because the amount of time that I spent wasting of my life being like, I had to find another orb. Did I not click on everything in the room? <laughs> or why do I not know where the kitchen is in this house? Like... There's little grievances like that that make me, you know, get even more pulled away from a story or anything else and be like, well, I'm playing a video game and I'm having some some video game-esque frustration with it. Yeah, it feels very arbitrary, like, okay, I'm going to have to pixel hunt and do something like that. Yeah, and I, and I like, you just kind of spend my time, like, being like, okay, let's do this thing so I can get to the next plot point or yeah. that I can just, like, you know, reach a finish line. I remember early on when you start first going through the old man's memories, you get asked, hey, do you want to... Exp- like look around a little bit or do you want to just go to the next data thing i was like next data please i'm ready to go um i did like the end of act one where you can't venture further into his past so you have to like connect what established memories you have and like rotate stuff Mm -hmm. i thought that was cute i thought that was interesting i kind of wish the puzzles in the game reflected that a little more than flipping tiles huh or were difficult or were difficult. Like, I don't even know. Like, if this game were... If it, if the puzzles were difficult, I, I think it might have pushed me off of the game where I'm like, this isn't worth it. But <laughs> I, I feel like the other... And, like, the puzzles, the flipping tiles, there's, like, a, a par for course. Or you, if you just exceed that, there's, like, oh, it's fine. 
I was like, oh man, am I going to fuck this guy up if I do like 80 turns on the tiles? You irreparably <laughs> reconnect the synapses and you're like, well, fuck, now he thinks that you're supposed to eat dogs. <laughs> um, I liked, I think the only time this game ever gets gamey is in its final act when um, both scientists are at odds with each other and you're navigating a house and um, the the scientist is sending like, like a bunch of like obstacles at you and you have to actually dodge them and stuff like that. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting because this is, this feels like an actual game now. Um, For the first time, right at the end? Yeah, but again, I feel like I'm being a little pejorative when I say that. That being said, yes, I was going to say walking simulators are actual games. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. But like something... I love Firewatch. Yeah, Firewatch is great, but I think that there is something... I don't know, man. I've played so many rpgs of this variety where it feels like oh i'm a character sprite and i'm walking tile by tile and i usually love them i usually love existing in that space but i think there is just the lack of 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 rng and dice rolls and stuff behind the scenes that i don't know something about it didn't feel right i felt like it felt like a a false memory of itself where i was like wait where's where's my where's my mechanics in this rpg it's not an rpg but it is because you are playing the role of a scientist. I feel like I've I've gotten feedback before on this show that we oftentimes will pick games that we haven't played that we know are good or <laughs> that are new releases that we know are probably good. And we seldom really talk too poorly about anything. And even that being said, I don't think that we're really talking too poorly about To the Moon. I think that there's like, you know, there's I, interesting things here. I it's paid like, $2.50 for it, and I think that it was, uh, I did not feel like I wasted my time. I feel like I had, and I think I'm going to remember this game for a long time because it is. In my only, in my memory, the only time someone's ever finished a game in RPG Maker and actually released it, <laughs> which is a Herculean feat in of itself. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's wild, and I think that we don't have too many things on here that like we both kind of go, eh, at. So this episode is for everyone who goes, man, why do you only have S tier triple A hits on the show? And like, sometimes you got to dig through through the dirt and not everything's a diamond sometimes it's just like a shiny rock and this is just like a shiny rock it's it's not dirt but it's not like a diamond ain't no hollow knight yeah i do think that playing the drinking game where when i say hollow knight you i really do think that like i'm kind of interested in checking out among the stars or imposter factor you tell me first (laughs) just because i i'm curious to see because i think that if someone had handed me this game i actually no just playing this now i'm like if this was a game that was made today and I played it, same game, I'd be like, wow, this feels like someone's first game, but it's also very impressive. And I'd be very excited to see what they do next because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. So that's why I kind of want to play Among the Stars or Imposter. You're interested in the, in the evolution of the creator. Yeah, because I think, that they're, I think they're intelligent and I think that they know what they're doing when it comes to telling a story in a video game. But I'm curious to see if they've learned from mistakes along their own career path my my uh, criticisms notwithstanding well nick let's keep on the train of games that have important and deep stories um that are worth criticizing and evolving over time i think that we should take a look next week next episode 
at a franchise that is probably, you know, to the moon, a lot of people go, oh, the story. Like, that. even me, like, that's the thing that stands out. So I kind of want to dive more into story in games in general because I like to hear you talk about it. Um, I, I feel like it really opens my own eyes up to, you know, a different perspective that isn't just my dumb, dumb, like, oh, <laughs> writer made funny thing um, in, in terms of dialogue. So I think that next week we should investigate Mario 64. <laughs> so long, gay Bowser. <laughs> it's not in the game anymore. He just says bye, Bowser. Here he says bye-bye, right? He says bye-bye? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't say so long, gay Bowser anymore. What did he actually say King, originally? So long, King Bowser. So long, King ba- I thought it was like a, a Mario, Charles Martin I really do in the Italian. We're like, so long, uh, Bowser. <laughs> nope. So long, King Bowser. King Bowser. Yeah, but it's not in the game anymore. Damn, um, dude. I can't speedrun in this game. Nintendo just released the 3D All-Stars collection. That's three games. So I think I think that if we're going to do this... Is this going to be a Mario month? And if we're going to do this service, if we're going to do this justly, we can't look at each game together as a collection. We have to go get in our fucking TARDIS, put it back to We got to go to the moon, baby. We gotta hire a scientific agency to go investigate our memories. I was three. Nick was four. We were not playing Mario sixty four at that age. I don't think. I was definitely older because it came out in what ninety six. You were four. I was three. I don't think I played it the year it came out. Probably you were four. Well, my brothers weren't, and they got an N sixty four. Fair. So you might have like physically literally yeah. played it but not i like, probably moved mario you know yeah you've probably you probably moved the pixels around the tv fair i don't think i played it until a toys rs came until i went to a toys rs and then was like oh i might have been like six and like <laughs> mario 64 properly point being i think that if we want to do the the mario 3d all-stars collection we have to start at one and work our way forward because it's going to be weird to go backwards or jump around. Yeah. But I think there's something interesting to what does this show look like if we go back for a retro ish look? G- games that game. we would have been on record to say we love these games. All three of them. Yeah. I'll say that before all three episodes that on record I would have said. From before playing those games, I love all three games. Playing them at different parts of my life. So it's very interesting, and I'm very curious to see if I still love them after playing. Is it going to be sad if we don't? No, because I think that's that's about that's what growing up is. You realizing like you still had wonderful memories and times with these things, but you know this is how they 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 falter and or fail. Yeah. So everybody, it's like realizing your parents lied to you for your first time. You know. Do you know the first time your parents lied to you? Uh, yeah. Wow. I don't think I can pinpoint that. Yeah. Because I assume there's just a... It was the first time it's like, oh man, these people lied to me. The people that I trust. What's up with that? What's going on? The first time that I... God, I want to say that like... I want to reference Santa. I think it was probably Santa for me. Maybe when I'm like, I know you're lying about this. (laughs) But you're lying in good faith. (laughs) <laughs> but I know there was a litany of life before that because why wouldn't you lie to a child? 
They can't understand what the fuck you're actually saying. Like, you just lie to get the fucking conversation over with. It's easier. Joey Jr. is going to listen to this podcast. That's fine. I'll have a child, and then I'll just fucking lie to them until it actually matters. And then I'll only lie strategically, like you do in all relationships with all people all the time. So that's it. That's your homework for the next time. We're going to be playing Super Mario 64. Not for the N64, but you can play it there. You can play the N64. Not on an emulator. You can play it there, though. Not for the dogs barking outside, which we're definitely picking up the audio for. (laughs) Not on the 3DS, because it's not on that console. It's on the DS. But on the DS, you can play it that way, too. Or you can play it on the Switch. Dude, I kind of wish I could play Super Mario 64 by 4 That's what it was called in Japan. That's the only... Super Mario 64 DS. That kid have had a cool integration with In and Out, where like each layer of cheese was a different colors. You had like a green cheese and a red cheese, and like a they did a Nintendo did a Taco Bell integration um, at the like height of the N sixty four. I wanted all of the toys so bad, but they were always sold out. Well, you should find a way to play Mario sixty four, and we have to find a way to talk about Mario sixty four because Jesus Christ, what a task! It's the most talked about video game. Maybe that knockering of time and Tetris. Yeah. So we'll see. Now we're going to talk about them. Fuck. Aren't you guys excited to hear our take? Until next time, baby. Bye. So long, uh, gay Bowser. He says King Bowser. Not in my memories. Uh-huh.